Welcome back to the Between Sadhana and Seva podcast, a bridge to growth, healing, and happiness. I'm Diana, your host, and I bring you insightful conversations with people from different walks of life, but with a common bond, which is their sadhana, their daily spiritual practices. And part of this sadhana is to be of service to others, to do seva, by sharing their knowledge and their gifts. Today I'm recording this episode from the mountains of Sintra in Portugal, nestled between dense and vibrant forests and the wilds and rugged beaches where you never know if there will be sun or if the mountain will be immersed in a cloud of mist and mystery. It's a really beautiful place where I will be spending the summer and I feel very, very blessed to be here. And it has been a while since I last released an episode for the podcast, but when the world started changing back in March, the calling to slow down and to go within was very strong. It was loud and clear, and I answered it. But now, summer is here, the energy has changed, and it's time to do things. So I decided to invite someone very special to relaunch the podcast, Luke Jordan is a master teacher of Ashtanga Yoga, a long-term student of philosophy and Vedic chanting, a Sanskrit buff, and a lot more. Luke is originally from Ireland, and after having lived in different parts of the world throughout the years, he moved to Portugal a few years ago, and he settled down in Sintra with the wonderful Sonia, his wife, who will be on the podcast very soon as well. And when the borders around the world started closing down and Luke could not travel for teaching anymore, he decided to launch an online chanting project in the beginning of March. It's called Online Enchantment. And for over three months, there was a dedicated and quite large group of students from pretty much all over the world who got together on Zoom every weekday to chant mantras to deepen the study of the philosophies of yoga and Samkhya, and to listen to Luke's amazing theatrical storytelling of the Mahabharata. And now that some of the restrictions have been lifted, Luke is getting ready for his annual Ashtanga Yoga Summer School here in Sintra, which is a one-month-long program of Mysore-style asana practice with of course, lots of chanting and philosophy, or like Luke sometimes calls it, chanting and ranting, and also with a lot of fun activities like surf lessons, bouldering, tours around Sintra, pizza nights, and overall just a great spirit of togetherness, which will definitely be very welcome after these past few months. So without further ado, Here is my dear teacher, friend, and now neighbor on top of a misty hill in Sintra, Luke Jordan. 
Hi everyone, we are here today with Luke Jordan, Ashtanga Yoga teacher by excellence, one of the very few certified teachers in the world, belonging to that very exclusive group of certified teachers by the late Shrike Patabi Joyce. Luke is a traveling teacher, he travels around the world for Ashtanga Yoga workshops. You also have uh, the Ashtanga Yoga Summer School every summer, now in Portugal, where you live. And in addition to asana, you also teach philosophy, Eastern philosophies, uh, yoga, Samkhya, Vedanta, a little bit of Taoism, Buddhism as well. <laughs> anything. I'll anything. I'll steal anything. <laughs> anything that comes from that area of the world, you're going to or look into Or even the West it. also. Even uh, the West. I'll steal that too. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and in addition to that, you also teach chanting. And now, very since recently, you also teach Sanskrit. We're going to talk a bit about all these little things throughout the interview. But I would like to start by asking you, because you're such a multifaceted person and teacher, how did all of this start? Oh, all of this started... Uh, uh, All of this started just because it was what I was interested in. Uh, and what I realize is, is that uh, it's nothing special because we don't get to choose what we're interested in. And this is just what interested me. You know, so some people, they're interested in art. Some people, they're interested in motorbikes. Some people, they're interested, you know, in American football. And I was interested in spirituality. And, you know, it's all the same. It's all, it's all one. Because there's that, there's that uh, thing that can happen whereby uh, there's a sense of specialness that comes from delving into spiritual teachings. And, True. Uh, I think there's kind of a danger in that <laughs> to separate oneself from the world. Mm. And uh, no, this just happened to be what I was interested in. And well, actually, my first interest was music. Mm. And I realized there was a great correlation. The deeper I went into music, right. uh, the more I got in touch with uh, different spiritual teachings through music. And also the real, you know, because I think what happens in music is, is there is the question of where does it come from? When you're doodling away on the guitar and all of a sudden this beautiful riff appears as if out of nowhere, you, you kind of go, well, wow, where did that come from? And I, I think that kind of musical search for people has often been a spiritual search. So... I, I, so I, I think I was led to yoga through, I think it was initially through music. But as I said, you know, mm. we don't get to choose any of that stuff. And I've heard that the, the Beatles actually play the, the strong uh, part. Huge, huge. <laughs> They helped a lot. Yeah, mm. listening to the Beatles with, uh, you know, certain states of consciousness uh, and hearing the words. Yeah. Hearing the words. 
lay down all thoughts, relax and float downstream. Right. You know, or any of the ones that George Harrison did. From that time they spent in India, those are... that time they spent in India. And boy, when you see the interviews with them Ah. from that time, and you see they're so into it. (laughs) You know, it's it's fantastic because it was a revolution in consciousness. Mm -hmm. And without them and the people like them, who, Mm -hmm. you know, were incredibly experimental in terms of exploring consciousness, because there was a genuine interest for truth, uh, without them and without the likes of, you know, Richard Alpert and mm. who was Ram Das, you know, mm. without them we wouldn't have yoga. And so it's, it's interesting that 60s counterculture, mm-hmm. you know, that's brought us these different access to these spiritual paths. For sure. They really paved out the way and then they oh, brought, for sure. brought everything to the West and made it more mainstream. Absolutely. It's so interesting to well, look back. I mean, that's what the like. That's what the West likes to do. <laughs> you know, it will take anything and make it marketable. True. And in the making of it marketable, it tends to descend to a lowest common denominator. Uh, so it becomes about image rather than substance, and that's of course one of the reasons why yoga is so successful, because you can completely remove uh, any aspect of yoga's depth Mm. in order to sell it. You know, what have you got? You've got a body and nice leggings, right? And and that sells. It sells a lot. sells a lot. (laughs) That is true. And, you know, there is that argument, well, maybe then people get into it in a deeper way. They can Um, or they cannot? They can or they can't. But, Mm. you know, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's, it's all equal. It is. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about your personal sadhana. What's it like if you, if you want to share? You don't need to give us well, very I, specific... Well, I think, I think to, to call what I do a personal sadhana would be maybe to make it more grandiose than it actually is. <laughs> I don't see what I do as being a personal sadhana. I would just mm. say that what I do is what I do. And it's not with the uh, the import to be a better person or to be a more spiritual person. I have no kind of end goal with it in mind. It's just, uh, you know, it's like passing the time. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's it's nothing special. It's just ordinary. Get up, move, and breathe, mm. and that's it. So I think. Yeah, to, for, for, for me to call it sadhana is to make it more special than it actually is. You can call it just a group of practices you do every day. Yeah, I do. I do some practices, but, you know, even it's like even I'm, I'm reluctant to call them practices, <laughs> you know, because even that is like separating it out, you know, and, mm. and it's, it's, just, it's just what I do, you know, and it, nothing more important than anything else that anybody else would do. I was like reading the newspaper. (laughs) Yeah, I see. But chanting is probably one of your most important activities. I'm I'm doing, I seem to be doing a lot of chanting at the moment. Mm. Both for your personal um, 
sadhana or your for your personal sake and the chanting that you are offering us every day uh-huh. online on Zoom? Yep, both. Mm. Very nice. So I, I, I tend to, at the moment, you know, it changes from day to day. At the moment, I'll do a little, I'll do a little pranayama, I'll mm-hmm. do a little asana, and then some chanting as well. Mm-hmm. So that would be the, 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 the daily routine. Right. And you're taking classes as well with I, a teacher. I take classes with a teacher too. So you do it over the, the phone or do it, online? Do it on Skype. Okay. Very nice. Studying Vedic chanting. Studying Vedic chanting. The traditional Vedic chanting. Traditional Vedic chanting. So now, Taitriya Aranyaka, the Aruna Prashna, the Surya Namaskara Mantra. Oh, okay. I've I've heard a little bit about that. Yes. Very nice. And this group of uh, activities that you prefer to not call it uh, a sadhana, has it... Entertainment, I call it entertainment. All right, your entertainment <laughs> activities. <laughs> has it? How has it changed uh, over the years as mm. your body grows older? Mm. Also, as your understanding of the the true nature of the self deepens, and also as the um, the dogmas uh, in the Ashtanga community sort of crumbled down over the years. How has all of this changed your not satana? I think the the experience of being with the body is the same. Mm. You know, it's always the same. Some you know, it's some days it's a struggle, some days it's not, some days it feels really good. Uh, if anything it's changed, I'm I'm not at the moment it's with less strict an adherence mm. to the so-called you know traditional you know correct method so kind of i i take it as an open source practice that i allow it to be responsive to my body on a day-to-day basis you know i I kind of have goals in my mind with where i want to go with it but i'll allow it to be dictated by where i'm feeling tight or Mm -hmm. so the the loose structure which i follow are the series of ashtanga yoga Mm -hmm. Uh, but within that, there's a lot of variability. But even within the way I do the poses, so even if I'm following the asanas as they're kind of presented as I've, as I've learned them, there's an incredible degree of variability in how I'll practice them depending upon how I'm feeling or what's sore. You know, what's sore? What's, what's <laughs> sore determines a lot about how I do what I do. Because there's always something. Oh, there's always something. Always something. Yeah. <laughs> Often. Yeah. <laughs> and the quarantine, the lockdown, or the the new world order, maybe, maybe we can the call it that. The new world order. <laughs> Carefully chosen words there. Yeah. <laughs> How has it affected your your routines of, well, your routines of practices, but also your daily mundane things and your plans and oh, things you were planning to do throughout well, the month. I, 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 I hate to say it because I know a lot of people have really struggled with this time, but for me it's been wonderful <laughs> uh, that I've had all the time in the world to to do what I do. I don't have to get up so early in the morning. I allow the body to wake up when it wants to wake up. And then What a luxury. Absolute luxury. And I can have a cup of coffee and then you know, get into it when I get into it. And well, it's also been a great time for studying uh, because, you know, I've 
learned a bit of Sanskrit over the last over the last few months, and mm. I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in a position to to have been asked to share that by <laughs> by certain people, and uh, yeah, I've really really got into the chanting now in the last months as well. I've you know had certain priorities that I've just kind of I've been able to stick with. Mm. So it's it's been a it's been a good time in terms of I haven't been able to go out well I've been able to go outside but I haven't really wanted to go outside into that into the actual world outside world <laughs> but you know I've been able to go in mm-hmm. a lot more and what a, what a luxury that Absolute is Absolute luxury total privilege yeah. I'm totally privileged mm-hmm. in order you know to be able to do that for sure and the the quarantine is not so different from your normal lifestyle anyways not so much it's just that there's this imposement of restrictions i mean i guess the thing that's changed is i I had travel plans which i had to cancel uh and that's been it so i've been staying put in one place more than i usually would but in in terms of anything else no it hasn't been different (laughs) that's true and the thing about um all the travel plans that many of us had for this time they have been postponed or maybe truly cancelled the thing about the fact that we need to plan those trips and our mind is already there in the future uh, thinking about what we're going to do when we're in those places and now that we don't have those um, those opportunities close by it also helps us to sort of be more in the in the present and it's, focus more it's on an incredibly things. good practice Oh, yeah. In terms of letting go, what, what letting go, what yes. we think we know, mm-hmm. and to just be able to say yes <laughs> to things the way they are. Mm-hmm. So the universe all of a sudden says, in you know whatever way it appears, okay, you're not going there now, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, right, fine, mm-hmm. and then you roll on. Well, what's going to happen? Don't know what's going to happen. We just flow. Just, day by day nothing nothing else we can do mm-hmm. and like we were talking earlier some of these opportunities that we have lost or postponed have turned into new opportunities that we never thought about for That's example right. in your case uh online enchantment happened yes. and it became very unexpectedly oh, successful it's, it's it's been wonderful i've really really loved doing that and it's been you know i love sharing with people Mm. so to have that uh avenue open up Mm. of a way okay i prefer to be with people in 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 person but uh just to have that platform Mm -hmm. uh where i get to share what i love to share has been and not only that but to do it on a daily basis yes every day for three months it was every day for three months Mm. so that's and i i loved every single one so it's been that's been a that's been an incredible blessing mm. so i'm very lucky it's been really nice <laughs> because all of us were so most of us at least so socially isolated or locked in our houses and to be able to see our friends from around the world and just share those special moments every day it was it was quite special so 
Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Oh, and the other phone. thing with the, the chanting is, is that it seems to open up an internal space, mm. that it opens up an internal resonance. And people are worried about what's going on in their lives and they're worried about the outside world and what will be. And there's just something about that moment when you resonate with the frequency of the mantras, whatever they are, that all of that stops. And you're just there vibrating. And so it's been nice to share that. It's been truly special. Especially for those of us who had never chanted before or who were maybe a bit self-conscious about chanting in a group, mm -hmm. having the chance to start the practice on our own, just, you know, between our four walls. Maybe it will make some people keep the practice going, I think, might be helpful. Maybe so. It's, I think what, what it does is it makes people just aware that it's something that's available and there for yes. them. Yes. You know, whether they take it up as an actual mm -hmm. practice or not, I don't think is, Im mm -hmm. is important. Mm -hmm. But what uh, all of these things are, what all of these practices are, mm -hmm. are a support They are. And so the chanting is a support, the asana practice is a support, any of these other practices are supports for, for being in the world and for, uh, for coming to an understanding of one's self-sufficiency. Very well put. <laughs> And during these uh, chanting sessions that we've been doing online pretty much every day, I think we're almost close to four months now. We reduced it to three times a week, but I think that it's already four months. At a certain point, you started telling some stories from the Mahabharata. You always do a little bit of philosophy, but then you started telling some, some stories. Well, I was running out of things to say, so... <laughs> And it turned into a whole telenovela? It's turned into telling the mm. Mahabharata. <laughs> Which is a great telenovela. Mm. How has it been for you to have this avenue to... Oh, I've loved it. Mm. Uh, what I've discovered... I mean, I've always loved the Mahabharata as, mm. a, as a story. And I have told it before. Uh, sometimes, you know, when I give a workshop, I will, you know, give the outline of the story, uh, but not in the depth that I've been doing. <laughs> I mean, we've gone through every event in the Mahabharata, uh, from the Adiparva, the first chapter or the first book, and the Sabaparva, which we're just coming to the end of now. Mm. And we've told every single story. Uh, and just how alive this story is. What a great story it is. It's a wonderful story. <laughs> And it's almost as if it has a life of its own. So you know, sometimes I'm telling the story and I, I don't even know it, but it's almost as if it's telling itself. <laughs> you know, and I'm just the, the you know, that's, that's my imagining. You're channeling the story. <laughs> kind of, right? That's how it feels some days. 
It does look like that, like when you're super in the zone and you are just being so theatrical and everyone is glued to the screen. Oh, what's going to happen next? It's been better than Netflix. It's also that uh, this is something that's kind of lost, Mm. is that all of us, you know, all of humanity has been a storytelling culture. And when do we actually sit down and, you know, either tell somebody a story or listen to the story of our culture? And it's, it's very rare that that happens now. So, you know, it's, I think there's a place for that. Oh, that is for sure. And also, I, I think what the stories do is they can reveal aspects of yoga that, uh, are are inherent within them. There, the, there's aspects of yoga in, inherent within the stories that are in a way, when it's told in a story, it's received in a way which isn't received if you're just telling direct philosophy. Mm-hmm. But I agree. They're, they're also fun, you know. The stories are fun. They are. They are a lot of fun. Especially, I have to say, the ones when you are talking about uh, the romances. Oh, really? That's the part you like. I think. I'm, I don't want to generalize, but already generalizing, I think the ladies especially like those ones. Okay. <laughs> Arjuna and his uh, adventures with the ladies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was meant to be his uh, Tirta Yatra. Arjuna was meant to be going around visiting exactly. the sacred sites. And he ended up being a very busy man. <laughs> and it's all fine. It's all good. It's all good, exactly. <laughs> He's a kshatriya after all. Exactly. <laughs> and are you planning on doing anything with these stories, maybe putting them together so that um, future generations <laughs> can have access oh, to your sure. interpretations? I mean, the, once it's done, it kind of feels like it's not mine anymore. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I think somebody has been uh, cutting them up already so that uh, they'll be isolated from the context of the other Mm -hmm. things that we've been doing in those sessions. And then, yeah, I'll I'll put them out there. That sounds amazing. So so people can watch them at their leisure. And it's a nice Mm -hmm. way of, you know, learning the Mahabharata. You, you know, what are the choices is, well, you can read it. And, mm. you know, for anybody who wants to read the a shortened version of the Mahabharata, I would highly recommend the Ramesh Menon modern retelling, mm. which is pretty much where I've been getting all of my material from, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, so they can read that. And if they don't want to read, you know, what, what they have the TV series, which is 97 episodes made in the 1980s. Some people might say it's a little bit dated. Or they can have me read it to them. They can have me tell the story. That sounds amazing. Yes. I actually remember maybe three or four years ago when I first met you in a workshop. It was one of the winter schools. Uh You were telling a a summarized version of the Mahabharata. Uh And I think that's what really got me interested in Hindu mythology and I think even the the philosophy. And you mentioned the four-hour-long movie oh, that's yes. on YouTube. Well, I think it's five and a half hours long. The okay, it's, P- it's really Peter long. Brook. Exactly. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's fantastic. I've already watched yeah. it a few times. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. 
So thank you for that <laughs> recommendation. And in addition to your asana teaching and your chanting teaching and now your Mahaparata storytelling, you also started teaching Sanskrit to a small well, group I, online. Well, I think, I think teaching would be a strong word <laughs> because I, I would be under no illusions whatsoever that I'm a beginner in Sanskrit. So, you know, I, to say that I'd be a Sanskrit teacher would be well wide of the mark. So it's just, I enjoy, it's another opportunity mm. for sharing. So I enjoy sharing and uh, sharing the basics of the language. That's why you called it? Sanskrit for dummies. <laughs> and how has that experience been for you oh, to see people been fantastic. getting the grasp of Sanskrit? Because for, for me, it's not necessarily just about Sanskrit, but it's about the process of learning itself. And the challenge has been to take something that is rather complex and present it in a, in a way which makes it understandable for people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's what I've been enjoying the most, is that process of making it understandable and watching as people kind of grasp the simple rules that would otherwise seem incredibly complex. If you're just trying to read them from a textbook, it's completely different, the experience. The exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to be able to go through with people and say, well, you know, this is the rule. So knowing that this rule is that, how would you say this? Very good and system. It's incredibly simple. Well, I, I have to, you know, I have to confess again, this is nothing to do with me. The, the technique is from a fellow called Michelle Thomas, uh, who was, an, he was a master of languages uh, and breaking them down to their simplest components and making the learning process uh, about having no stress whatsoever mm -hmm. so that people don't need to think that they need to work at it or do extra work or learn. All it was about was understanding the fundamental components. So doing that for Sanskrit has kind of been my goal. Mm. It's been working, okay. I think. <laughs> Even though we complain a little bit. Sukritam. With... <laughs> Sukritam. How do you say Sanskritam, Sukritam? Sanskritam, Sukritam. Sanskrit is easy. Well, Sanskrit, well done. <laughs> Sanskrit, well done. <laughs> And are you planning by any chance to keep it going after the summer or maybe to have another class for people who want to join in but oh yeah I mean need I could, to start I, from it's, the beginning? It, it's an awful lot of fun I mean I've mm. really I really enjoyed it so I could definitely see it be, because this is the first time I've done it mm -hmm. and uh, I could definitely see like having like a Sanskrit for dummies one a Sanskrit for dummies two Two, uh, class of 2020, class of 2021. Yeah, but, but also <laughs> helping, just, you know, helping people to, helping people with where they're at. So mm -hmm. kind of figuring out, you know, how to get people from one level to the next and right. then helping people in the level while, where they're at. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's really useful in day-to-day -day life, Sanskrit. 
if, <laughs> if you're doing the practices that we do, it really is because it opens it can, up the texts differently. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for being able to look at the texts with mm -hmm. your own eyes uh, because the unfortunate thing about religion is, and particularly Eastern religions, Indian religions, is that there is this guru system whereby uh, one person will be like a pope and will have the ultimate authority mm -hmm. over the meaning of what any given text says. And usually that meaning uh, has a sectarian basis, which is grounded only in the belief system of that particular sect. And, you know, I, maybe it was be coming from where I come from that I don't trust that. Mm. But what I do trust is my own ability to go in and figure out what things mean for me. Uh, and that, that's, that's what's important for me. And so to have a little bit of Sanskrit, yes, it's nice to go in and do that. I totally agree. I hope to get there one day to have the, the competence to actually do interpretations oh, of well, the text. You know, it doesn't matter how, how much Sanskrit, you know, you can just be bold and, <laughs> you know, you can say, well, I think it means this. Mm -hmm. And then you look for the evidence and whether it does or it doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. As long as you don't start preaching to everybody else that this is what this means, mm -hmm. you know, that's where, that's where the danger will lie. Agreed. And let's talk a little bit about your Ashtanga Yoga summer school. Sure. When, where this, did this idea come from? When did it start? The evolution throughout the years until it, you established yourself with Sonia here in Portugal? Well, it started uh, as a result of... I was living in Holland at the time, and most of the yoga that I saw in Holland was incredibly commercial. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people doing like re weekends charging extortionate amounts of money. Uh, I mean, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but uh, I felt the teachings of yoga were, as far as I understood them, were, were simpler. And it wasn't about some grandiose, you know, getting some kind of mystical enlightenment in a weekend or, you know, it was about doing the practice. It was about being in a room and doing the practice. So the summer school, uh, I uh, had the opportunity uh, because there was a space free, I had the opportunity as of doing it by donation only and the uh, there was a minimum commitment of coming to Mysore classes every day for at least two weeks because I felt that this uh, this spoke more to what yoga was than you know, all of the other workshops that I w was seeing going on and uh a really good spirit developed out of it. Uh, because I was also inspired by ideas of the gift economy. And what I noticed with teaching for donation was, is that people really love to give. And, you know, they don't like being taken from so much. 
but they they love to give and i was freed up because i wasn't asking for a certain amount of money uh i was freed up just to be me and to to give the classes as i felt to give them and not to uh meet anybody's expectations or even my own and it 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 just felt like a very good way of doing things and there seemed to be some kind of mutual giving that occurred as a result and yeah that that was really good i mean i do charge money now but <laughs> but only because you have to rent a, a space. Well, I have to so rent a space. You have to ensure you have when when we when the f- summer school first came about also we were gifted uh, accommodation. Uh so we 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 pay rent and I mean for, for me it still feels like the the purest way of offering these teachings is by I mean it's the tradition as well. It's called dakshina. So it still feels like the purest way because you know it's it's an offering. It's not a, and it's not it's not about being a teacher. I mean I don't see myself as a teacher. Uh I'm just somebody who loves this culture and who who loves this spiritual culture and who who loves to share it and offer it to others. Uh that's how I would see it. And you're putting yourself at the service of people through through the teachings that you can share. Well, that's you know that would be that would be the ideal. Mm-hmm. That would certainly be how I would love to uh, operate. And of course, there's other things you know. Often, under the guise of serving others, often we're serving ourselves. So there, you know, there has to be this constant reflexive awareness. of you know for anybody you know who wants to be a yoga teacher this is the very important continual reflex of self-awareness about well but you're not a teacher you know no you're a vehicle of the teachings i i don't even know about that even that sounds <laughs> a little bit grandiose to me you know okay it, it would it's it, you're sharing what you've learned just sharing something that i love Mm-hmm. you know so that's that's what it boils down to mm-hmm. and if it it's i i would say the the best that i can be or the best that anybody can be as a yoga teacher is as a support because there is no i don't see that there's some kind of mystical like transference of yoga that i i could you know give you yoga mm. you know but there are various teachings which then you can take on or not and i can be a support for you in taking on those teachings and w- allowing them to work on yourself as they work on you uh and i don't know what that process is for you or for anybody mm-hmm. but uh you know but that's you know that's what friends do for each other as they support each other. Mm. So I mean, you know, in my my loftiest goal would be to be a friend for people, to support them in 
whatever their personal journey happens to be, because it's not a, it's not a standardized journey. It's a personal journey that all of us are on. No one, you know, more special than another. Everybody's on a personal journey to whatever end nobody knows. Exactly. And that's really, for me, what sums up the, the dynamic that, you, that gets created in the summer school. It's really about companionship and support and uh, friends being with friends. And there's not the um, a hierarchical uh, nature between you or Sonia or the, the people who attend the school where we just, we hang out together during the classes, outside of the classes. We go out for pizza, we go bouldering, we have uh, surf lessons and all sorts of things. And that creates a very special experience, I think, for people. Yeah, it's about mm. community. It is. And, you know, just allowing people to be who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, we we through practicing yoga, it's like yeah, we 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 are able to have the bodies in some particular level of functioning that enables access to you know climbing and mm -hmm. surfing, or even you know being in this beautiful place. There's uh, walks in the forest, and yeah, so these are. I mean, why not share all of that? Well said. <laughs> But you had to adapt it a little bit this year. Uh, it was cancelled for a while, and now it's back on, but with different characteristics. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, well, there are certain regulations that will need to be followed, which will mean that the number of people who can be part of the summer school will be greatly reduced, and that there will have to be... Uh, Only a certain number of people are, are, are allowed in the room at one time. Uh, so, you know, we can adapt the general Mysore pace and still have, you know, as one person leaves, another person can come mm -hmm. in. Uh, but even then, it, it will be, it'll be reduced. Uh, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll still be able to meet outside of that yeah. and be together and... You know, already I was thinking it might be nice to barbecues and... Uh, <laughs> do some chanting in the forest. Do some chanting in the forest, why not? That sounds very <laughs> ethereal. <laughs> Especially in Sintra. Mm. Hopefully we'll get I believe some actually there, there was one time I was in Sintra recently and I discovered a magic circle. What do you mean? I discovered there was a clearing. So maybe this is where we can mm. go to chant. Well, I was wandering around uh, by, there's a ancient burial site called Andre Nunes. And as I was walking around after after visiting that, uh, I was just walking through the forest, through the trees, and I came to one part where what I noticed was it was a man-made enclosure in the trees that you couldn't see from outside the enclosure. But once you were inside the enclosure, you could see how the branches had all been laid out to create this circle. And then in the center of the circle, there was a uh, sacred Celtic diagram uh, made with uh, made with wood. And so, you know, Sintra is famous for its magic circles. 
Okay, that sounds so, perfect uh, so for I've, the classes. Yeah, I think I think we find one. <laughs> Very good. To finalize our talk, uh, I would like to ask if you have um, advice for people who are starting out on the yoga path or on the spiritual path or who already have a sadhana but would like to deepen it. How to start? Where to start? What should be prioritized? I think you have to be true with yourself in doing what you do. So there is a temptation to take on lofty goals. Uh, you know, maybe in the beginning is to complete this series or complete that series. And, you know, even if you get caught up in those goals, there's no problem. But just be with yourself. That's what it all boils down to. If, if you're to boil down the spiritual teachings to anything, I would say that's what it is. It's just be with yourself in whatever it is you're doing. Just be with yourself. Very sound advice. <laughs> And for uh, people who would like to find you online or who would like to join your chanting uh, sessions, Where can they find you? How can they go about it? Oh, they can look me up on Facebook. Uh, Luke Jordan, that's my name. And we can be friends. <laughs> And they can join the Facebook group of they online can, enchantment. They can join Facebook groups, online enchantment. Sanskrit for dummies will be for people who are just in the class. Uh, there's the Ashtanga Yoga Summer School Facebook group. And I do have a website as well, which is livingashtanga.com. I must get around to updating it one of these days. Uh, And we can find a lot of good writings there from you. There are some writings there, yes, from, from past days. Hopefully more to come. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully maybe also some collection of Mahabharata videos. Oh, yes. That, hopefully that's going to come soon too. <laughs> Sounds very good. All right, Luke, thank you so much for Absolute taking the time. pleasure. Thank you for having me and for facilitating the conversation. Thank you very much. And I will see you in a couple of hours for okay, Sanskrit we'll class. In a couple of hours. <laughs> Hello again. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Luke. If you would like to learn more about him, you can visit his website at livingashtanga.com. I'm going to leave the link and other info in the episode notes so that you can check it out. And you can also ask to join the online enchantment group on Facebook to learn about the chanting classes on Zoom. And you can also join the Ashtanga Yoga Summer School Facebook group to find out more about the plans for this summer in Sintra. And now that the regular program of conversations has resumed, and if you relate to the work being done in the podcast and you would like to sit down with me and talk about sadhana and seva, feel free to send me a message. I'm going to leave the links in the episode notes so that you can know where to reach me. And for now, thank you for listening and for supporting this project that truly comes from the heart, from me to you. And until the next time we meet, let us keep the light of our sadhana burning and let us keep nurturing the world through our seva.